0: All right, everyone, squeeze in a little bit. We got people standing in the back that need. Oh, there's always open room up front. Always. You just try to squeeze in. There's uh, some right there. The middle's open a little bit. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Radiant Life. My name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we're going to get naked this morning in the good sense. But before uh, we jump in, we've got a new, brand new teaching series for us to jump into this morning. But before that, we just have some housekeeping items as a church family, as a church body. Uh, we need to address real quick, and um, because it's heavy. I'm going to ask Kathy Dodd, where is she? Is she in here right now? She is in here. And any of the kids that want to come up? Come up. As Kathy makes her way up, we're going to just have a time of, of prayer for Kathy and her family. Um, her husband, Sean, I don't know how many of you know Sean, but uh, Sean has been in Mayo Clinic for since October, the late, latter end of October. He is still there. Uh, he went in for tests and he's still there, uh, two plus months later, and uh we just want to pray, obviously, Sean's um, not here, he's in the Mayo Clinic, we want to pray over him, but uh, we're going to pray over the family, and are you able? You're able. We're going to, uh, you guys don't know this, but we're going to do a mic, BGV1, it means nothing to you all, Just, uh, just so they know. And uh, she's going to just share a little bit of what is going on with Sean. And then uh, I'm going to ask the leadership team, our board, to come up. And we're just going to lay hands and uh, we're going to pray over Kathy. But she's just going to give us an update on how her husband's doing And uh, that's what this is about, is literally, Sean needs a miracle. And uh, I believe in the power of prayer. And our God is bigger than this, and we're going to go to Him in prayer and ask for a miracle to happen in Sean's life right now. Um, His hand, Hi, parents... Yeah. So what we see in scripture is, um, and I know this may be foreign to to some of you, but uh, we see often in scripture the laying of hands when people go to pray, uh, laying of hands. And what I'm going to ask is, uh, our leadership team, our board, if you are here, will you please come up and surround the family? Um, and yes, yeah, staff as well. And let's just, yeah, can you guys go to the front?
1: There so may be some somebody... people. trapped
0: and uh congregation if you feel comfortable if you just reach out your hand like you are um, laying your hands on kathy let's just uh, ask god for a miracle Uh, god you are the great physician and we come to you in this time of need as a church family as a church body this is exactly what the church is to be doing he's lifting up one another in prayer and god to the great physician we cry out that we need a miracle So, Heavenly Father, may your spirit just begin to flow in and through Sean's body. Anoint him, Father. Give him the strength that he needs. May this infection just completely disappear. Will you give wisdom to the doctors and the nurses? Will you use what they're doing as part of your healing process, Father? Give him strength right now. Let him know that he is loved and he has a Heavenly Father. His Creator loves him. And Father, I lift up the family to you, Kathy and the girls, as they're here trying to work and pay bills. God, I pray for strength. It's got to be absolutely difficult not being at his side, but reality is there's bills to be paid too, and there's a job to be done. So Heavenly Father, give them incredible strength where they wake up every day saying, I don't know how I'm doing this, it has to be God. So give them strength. Give Uh, Sean's mom and dad is there at his bedside at the Mayo Clinic now. Give them strength as they care for their son, God. And we pray for a miracle. We pray that one day, Sean will be up here giving his testimony of how God worked in his life. So Heavenly Father, anoint him with more power than ever. We believe in miracles. We trust in you in this time and hour of need. So Father, begin to work in his life and those doctors and nurses that are surrounding Him. And we ask this in the almighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing. Appreciate that. Thank you, buddy. Well, this is going to be a hard transition. All right, let's do a couple more house cleaning, house cleaning, housekeeping um, items real quick. You, everyone got a bulletin when you came in? Grab your connection card, rip it off, fill it out. Don't forget back, sizes, back size. Backside is always prayer requests and praises that we want to hear from you. Uh, we desperately want to hear from you. We love lifting you up in prayer. So don't forget your connection card. And first-time guests, welcome. You can just fill out as much information as you like and take it to Radiant Cafe afterwards, free drinks. Uh, The rest of you, drop it off in the plate. Two more things, and we're going to get naked. Uh, If you saw something on your seat, it should be like this refresh worship night. On the back, it says you're invited. This is for you to invite someone to our refresh worship night that's coming Sunday, January 29th at 6 o'clock. We'll have stuff for your kids so you can come and fully engage in the presence of God. It is going to be an awesome night of worship. We, as staff, plan this at no other than Great Lakes over coffee, and it was wonderful, and it is going to be an experience that of worship and song, but a lot of interaction and movement through prayer stations. We just want to kick off this new year the right way, and just refreshed in the presence of God, and that is your refresh night, so pray over. Who are you going to invite? Who are we going to invite to refresh at worship night? And lastly, you probably don't have these, but... Uh, this is our invite cards. If you have a friend or a family member, neighbor, coworker, classmate and you just, man, I'm not sure exactly how I go about inviting them to church. These are invite cards that are all throughout the lobby on tables, the cafe. On one side it says Radiant Life Church, on the back it says you belong here. It's got our web address, our Sunday morning worship times. It's really simple to invite your coworker and said, "Hey, actually, I got something for you." Just give it to them and maybe Later on that night, they forget your invite, but they go to take, you know, clean out their pockets, and there it is. There's that card that you gave them. So it's a really simple way. These are for you, church. These are for you. So go and invite your friends, neighbors, anyone who needs to experience Jesus. Well, we're in, uh, week one of this series, and, uh, I'm not big on patch jobs. A lot of us may want to come in on a Sunday morning to say, hey, just give me a little bit of Jesus, it's a little patchwork, and then we're good. Let's go on through the day. This series is going to do some deep work in our lives, deep work. And before we jump into week one, which we've titled Getting Naked, Real People, Real Stories, we're going to look at real struggles that your staff has experienced, real struggles that some of the leadership team and other people in in our congregation have experienced, and how Jesus is woven in and through it all. You're going to hear real people, real stories. And I want to do some deep work. I already had a discussion after first service. They said, you know what? Man, this is going to be tough. It's good. Good. I hope through it all that the image of Jesus is molded more and more into you as we go through this. So let's trust in God, our creator, our maker, and let's go to prayer and ask God to do big work. Father, you are awesome. You are amazing. And I I just pray as we dive into this new series called Getting Naked, I pray that we strip everything away and we get clothed by your grace, by your love, and by your forgiveness. I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, you would tug on our hearts where we need to be tugged, where we need correction. And I pray that we receive that with peace, but we receive it with strength as well. And I pray, God, through this all, that we look like Your Son, Jesus Christ. May we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. If you got your Bible with me, turn with me. If you got your Bible with you, it's not with me. Turn to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter two. We're going to look at chapter two and chapter three. Uh, get your notepad out, your iPhone out, whatever, and. Uh, For those of you that don't, it's going to be on the screen for you as well. But Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to start. And I want to begin this way. Genesis literally means the beginning. It's our story that God has given us on how everything wrapped up, how he began everything through creation. And we're told that God steps down and grabs the dust of the earth and begins to breathe life into the dust. And in that, as he breathes his breath, life is formed. we get Adam. Humanity begins dust and breath. And that's an analogy for you and I. We are physical yet dust, but we are spiritual. And that's the motion that God does. He goes down, grabs this dirt, dirt, and breathes breath into it. And we have Adam. And God then made a helper by the name of who? Eve, if you know it, by the name of who? Eve, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are together. The very first humanity begins that way. And they're placed what it's known as the Garden of what? Eden, if you know the story, it's the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are placed in this garden. And Eden means abundance, plenty, fullness. And in the very beginning, Adam and Eve go into this garden and everything is for them. They can have everything they want. It's abundance. It's fullness. It's plenty. It's all for you, Adam and Eve. And we're told in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, this is what's said. Adam and his wife were both what? Naked. They're both naked, and they felt no shame. Imagine being Adam and Eve in just this garden of plenty, the garden of abundance. You have everything. No problems, no issues yet. You have it all. And you're naked. You're free. All the most intimate parts of you, you are vulnerable, you are exposed, and you feel no what? You feel no shame. But for you and I, when we get naked cover it all up and for them they're just like <laughs> and it's so all throughout creation as god creates he's calling everything what if you know the story everything is what good he gets to humanity and says everything is very good the nakedness is good and all of a sudden through all this goodness conflict enters the story god says hey you're in the garden of abundance you're in the garden of fullness the garden of everything you want but just don't eat from the one tree that's right there in the middle don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you can have everything else but that one tree don't eat from it and the serpent enters the story and begins to deceive adam and Eve. begins lying begins twisting god's word for them The serpent goes on and says Does God really, did He really say not to eat from it? I really think if you ate from it, God just doesn't want you to be like Him. And so the serpent begins to twist the words of God to Adam and Eve. And then we're told in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 6, it says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from, was good for food, and let's read this together. Pleasing to the eye. How many of us are still there? That we just do anything that's pleasing to our eye. We don't even think about the consequences. We don't even think about disobedience. You know what? This looks good. I'm going into it. And we are like Adam and Eve. Still today. This is also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So immediately conflict now and chaos is entering God's perfect story because of the serpent. Now here's a few little nuggets. Um, it's not an apple that Adam and Eve ate. Um, I say that with almost 100%. Um, they don't have apple trees in Israel, right? So all your little wonderful kid's story Bible books that show an apple, or you got to go change your nursery now because you have an apple or whatever, it was more than likely a pomegranate or fig. That's what they have present. That's what they grow in abundance in Israel. That's what's there. So it was more than that. I think it's a fig, but that's another story. But here's another thing. Most biblical scholars will say the very first sin
1: is lust. It was pleasing to their life. They desire lust.
0: And many people will argue, well, who sinned first, Adam or Eve?
1: <laughs> the woman did, woman bring the women.
0: Question. Why does the author say that Adam
1: was right at her side? Adam failed to protect his
0: Failed. He knows we can't eat that tree. Why let your wife eat? You failed to protect
1: your wife. Adam,
0: Adam uses his fault too.
1: Story continues.
0: Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were what? They realized they're naked. Can you imagine that? you don't even know what nakedness is. And all of a sudden, whoa. <laughs> Just imagine that. They have no idea. There's no shame in it. Everything's good. and all of a sudden, whoa.
1: <laughs>
0: what is going on? Verse continues on. So they sewed big leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Story continues in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Now God's not dumb. God knows where Adam is. This is more of a spiritual question and a relational question. Adam, where are you? We were perfect in the garden of abundance, in the garden of fullness. You and I were walking together. We were one, and all of a sudden, our brokenness happened. Adam, I want to know, where are you? Where are you in relationship to me? Because it's not the same anymore. And Adam replies, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. So I hid." Go ahead. Two complete polar opposites. They're naked. They felt no shame. They do something wrong. They experience shame. They're afraid. They're hiding. But what are they hiding from? Number one, they're hiding from their nakedness, which is really funny because was nakedness ever an issue in chapter two? It was a good thing. It said they were naked and felt no shame. All of a sudden, in chapter 3, all of a sudden they do something wrong and they're like, oh my goodness, our nakedness is bad. Nakedness was never bad. God called the nakedness good. But they're covering up something that was good that is not bad. They're covering it up, though. They're also covering up their act that they did. They knew we should not have eaten that thing and we did, and we're ashamed of what we're doing, so we're hiding. And then they're hiding from their maker and hid in the trees because we knew, God, you were there. And this isn't a story about Adam and Eve. It's a story about you. It's a story about me. That when we do something wrong, we experience shame. We experience it. We don't want our friends to find out. We don't want our neighbors to find out. We don't want our family to find out. We don't want our coworkers or our classmates or whoever to find out. We hide when we do something wrong. Because we're full of shame. I, you don't want people to see you like that. Man, that was a mistake. I don't, but man, I, I just, I don't want anyone to know about that. I'm going to cover it up. I'm ashamed of that mistake. I'm ashamed of what happened. Maybe of you were ashamed of our appearance, our body image. We're full of shame for broken relationships in our lives. We're full of shame for our addiction that we have. We're full of shame of just how we handle our finances. We're full of shame of the family that we come from. full of shame because my marriage is not what it should be or once was. And we're wrecked with shame. And we're hot. This morning I want to tell you two key principles what shame does to us. So if you're a note taker, get out your notes and write this down. Number one, shame is a liar. Shame is a what? Turn to your neighbor and say, shame is a liar. Shame is a liar. Shame is a liar in this way. Remember what I said. The nakedness of Adam and Eve was good. They were naked and felt no what? They felt no shame. All of a sudden, now they're trying to cover up something that was good. Shame lies to you. Shame is a liar. Shame tells you about the good things about you and makes it, twists it and turns it and makes it bad about you. For instance, how many of you are introverts? Those that don't raise your hand are, right? We don't like to do that. I'm an introvert. I, 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 I'm an introvert. I am forced to be an extrovert at times, but I, by nature, I'm an introvert. How many of you are extroverts? See, you have no problem raising your hand. You are extroverts. You're like, woo! you're gone. You are good. You want people, 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 right? But some of us, we have personalities that the Creator made you. Introverted, extroverted, it's you. But some of us, we work in workplaces that award the opposite personality. You may work in a workplace that you're an introvert, but they reward extroverts. And you're sitting there questioning yourself, am I in the right thing? No one ever notices me. And you begin to question your introvertedness, just who you are. Yet that's a good thing. God created you that way. And the opposite may be true. The opposite may be true in your life is you're an extrovert, but your workplace awards introvertedness. And you're like, we're all the people. I want people. Like, I do better with people. Where is everyone? But all the introverts are just quiet. They're doing their thing, and they get awarded. Am I in the right workplace? What's going on? Maybe for some of you, have leadership abilities that God has given you, especially women. There are so many places in our United States of America and our culture around the world that shames women because you have the leadership potential. That's one of the things I love about our denomination is our denomination affirms women in ministry. For heaven's sakes, we have one of our pastors, Patricia, is on staff here as a pastor with ministry, leadership, skills, and gifts. But a lot of us, we know places where they won't even look at a woman no matter if they're qualified or not. They'll only look at the opposite sex. And then women start to say, this is a shameful, like I'm not worthy. We begin to lose that worthiness. Shame is a liar because when we make a mistake, when we disobey, shame says, you're that mistake. You are not that mistake. Shame is always lying to us. You are not your mistake. And when we make a mistake, we may feel guilt. But guilt grows our character. Guilt should grow saying, hey, I should not make that mistake again. But it produces us and moves us forward. Shame never moves us forward. Shame only pulls us back. And shame says, that's who you are. Remember that mistake in 1983? That's you. Shame is a what? Shame is a liar. Not only shame is a liar, but shame is toxic. Turn to your neighbor and say, shame is toxic. Another neighbor? Shame is toxic. It's like, poison when we believe in shame it paralyzes us Bernine brown is a christian researcher that she wrote an incredible book titled bearing greatly it's all about vulnerability and shame in our lives and she studied shame for many years and they came up with this interesting correlation with shame and how toxic it is she her team put together this and it says With shame, you are at a higher level of addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, and eating disorders. When you experience shame in your life, it is so toxic for us. Shame lies to you, and shame is toxic in your life. There's a little story out there called The Great Prince, The Little Prince, The Little Prince, and uh, he travels all these galaxies on a comet. And on the comet, he likes to sit down and interview people that he meets throughout all his experience. And in one particular galaxy, as he rides his comet, he meets this fella, the tippler, also known as the drunkard. And as he meets this fella, he says, Sir,
1: why are you down? What are you doing? And the tippler responds, I'm drinking. Why
0: are you drinking? The tippler responds to forget. The little boy questions further, Why do you want to forget? The tippler responds, I'm ashamed. And like every child that just keeps digging deeper and deeper,
1: the boy asks, well, What are you ashamed of? The tippler says, And I'm a joker. Shame is so toxic. It will suck us into a black
0: hole deeper and deeper. And we're more apt when we experience shame in our lives. We're more apt for addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, and eating disorders when we experience shame. So is there any hope at all? Adam and Eve. We saw Adam and Eve's response. They hid. They ran. They covered themselves up, and that's what we do. But is there any hope for us? What do we do? Have you ever heard that? Um, here it is. When Jesus takes your shame away. Maybe you hear songs about that or whatever. Um, we often think it's like Jesus is a magical. What is this? Squeegee. Thank you, Lou. You always come on me, buddy. Magical squeegee, right? On our windshield, you hit that big bug, and it's right there where you can't see. And you're like, oh, man, I'm gonna, I am gonna, I need to get this thing off. And you get the windshield wipers going, and now you've just smeared that thing worse. You know? That's our shame right there. We try to get rid of it on our own, and we just make it worse. We spread it, and we're like, okay, a little bit of Jesus, you know, dump it in the water, and...
1: All right, good. Like, we're, we're done, right? No more shame. It doesn't work that way. Green Brown was asked, what makes shame go away in our lives?
0: She said, if you were to, all my research, if you were to put shame in a Petri dish, all the shame that everyone experiences in a Petri dish, and you put one thing in it, it all
1: dies. And the book publisher says, well, tell me what it is. And this is her quote. Shame, doused, in empathy dies. Shame, doused, in what? Empathy
0: dies. See, the power that shame has on us is shame says it lies to you, it's toxic, and it tells you you're the only one. You're the only one who struggles. You're the only one who has that addiction. You are weak. But
1: empathy comes along and says, those struggles, me too. Me too. And all of a sudden, a person who's experiencing the shame from decisions that they've made or whatever they're in begins to realize, I'm not the only one. Someone else says my marriage is absolutely in shambles and broken and someone comes along and says, me too. I've been there. I've been there. And yes, Jesus isn't the magical screegee, but Jesus is God's way of saying, me too. Me too. In the Newer
0: Testament, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. That right there is God saying, it's Jesus. Jesus is God saying, me too. I recognize what you've gone through. I know your weakness. Me too. Jesus was tempted in all of the ways that you are tempted. Jesus was tempted. Jesus and his very, what, the night that he's betrayed, goes into the garden and just prays, God, I don't want to go to that thing. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go. Jesus knew the difference between God's will for him and his own flesh and desire. Jesus lived in that tension, and we live in that tension. But
1: Jesus is God's way of saying, Me too. Me too. I know this struggle. And the writer
0: continues on. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need.
1: Why can we approach God's grace with confidence? Because Jesus says, me too. Me too. I know the shame. Me too. Then the writer
0: in chapter he goes on in chapter twelve, verse two, for the joy set before him, he endured
1: the cross, scorning its what? The writer says, Jesus experienced shame. Shame. Sat not at the right hand. The right hand of the throne of God. That instrument over there, that cross in the first century world. It was an instrument of execution, but it
0: was an instrument of shame. The Roman government wanted everyone to realize as they crucified you on a cross, they put them on major roadways so everyone can see who's dying. They put you naked on the cross. Everything exposed puts you on the major roadway so as you're experiencing ancient Israel in the first century, you go and you see, oh, there's shame, that's shame, that's shame, that's shame. I'm not going to mess with the
1: Roman government. Because shame was one of the worst things you could experience in the first century. And Jesus says, me too. Me too. Shame doused with empathy. Die. But we are so good at hiding our shame and covering up. No one sees us. I don't want you to see me naked, exposed. But when someone comes along me and says, hey, 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 me too. Shame I want you to hear this testimony from one of our own staff members and their experience of shame. Jesus is God saying
0: me too me too we can't miss this verse in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 says this the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them so key about this verse in order to make garments of skin something had to die
1: And Jesus died so you can be clothed with grace and forgiveness and love. What's also key about this verse is Adam and Eve are still wearing their fig leaves. In order to get clothed again, they had to get naked. They dropped it all, exposed it all, and let God clothe them.
0: And this whole series of getting naked is based on this verse. We have to let it all go and say, God, close Stop hiding, stop running from shame and from the things that we've done in our lives, and let's get closed by the presence of God. That's what we need to do. For some of us, we may need to go over to the cross, and we have papers and pens, and if you just got to write what you're ashamed of and just... Put it to the cross as an act, saying, God, I'm giving you this. Maybe for some of us, if you were here last week, we did the my one word for the new year. And you gotta go over there and just write your one word to say, God, I just need to get naked
1: and let you clothe me. Shame doesn't have to define that. Jesus defeated that. Now let's get clothed by it.
0: At this time, ushers, you can come forward and grab your connection card. And maybe on the back, you just got to write on the prayer requests and praises, I'm getting naked. We won't take it weird. You know what you mean. But maybe you just need to confess something. I need to get rid of this. It's a great time to write that on your connection card. And again, guests, hold on to your connection card. Take it to Radiant Cafe after you. Well, let's pray. Father, bless both the gift and the giver as we take up an offering. We're returning back to what is already yours, that you've blessed us. I pray specifically for this offering. May it be an offering that people who are wandering and lost in their shame will come running to the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that would happen in this offering, Father God. We thank you for who you are and how great and awesome of a God that we serve. We give you all the praise and glory.
1: We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with one more song. James what? said, What? Empathy dies. Jesus is God saying, Me too. And that's what this entire series will be making great for. As I said, we are going to hear us in fast, staff. the morning. You're going to the leaders in the church today. You are Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I doubt you to want to, miss it. A little to come, all right? Hey, blessings to you. Never sing south of Ephesus. It's not high, but Sunday Jesus. Blessings to you. Have a great of this Sunday.